this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at DMOUnion.com. That's DigMeOutUnion.com. Jay, we're back with another another 12-month uh, pick. This is the first one, though. We've had you know a lot of people that are on multiple years this is the first one for mr john seaman welcome john from philly thank you how you doing good let's just get into it tell us the band tell us the record and why you picked it so the band is greta the record is their second release and final release it's called this is greta um the reason i picked it is because I was surprised I had never heard of this band um, until one night I was watching reruns of uh, Beavis and Butthead in the mid-2000s. And um, the, a video for the from the first album came on, and then I got that. And then I bought the second album, and I was like, this is pretty decent. How have I never heard of this band? So that's why I picked it. Excellent. Jay, you already knew this band. <laughs> well, I, I own the first CD, yeah. Yeah. When did you pick I that up? I think it was it was a used purchase. Um, okay. Uh, so I would say it was probably a few years after it came out, like late 90s then. Okay. Okay. I, I remember seeing the album cover for the first record probably in your collection but I don't think I ever mm-hmm. listened to it. I have no frame of reference going into this. So this was yeah. this was uh, completely new for me. Let's get a little history on this band. What do you know about them, John? Tell us what you know about this band. So from looking around on the internet, I just I think they're from LA. Yeah. Um, I know they're a four piece. I know that Brad Wilk of uh, Rage Against the Machine was originally in the band, but quit. To go play, uh, no, he was in Greta. He quit to go play with Rage Against the Machine. Right after the like um, a year. Yeah, yeah, and then it was just the the same four guys, and they put out two albums. Um, there was heavy promotion for the first album, like heavy to the point where I think it's weird how many uh, single releases there were. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had that second album, little promotion. Got dropped, broke up. Yeah, they had like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven singles. Seven singles off the first record. How many songs are there on the first record? <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's half oh. a record. Uh, 11. There's 11. Minutes. Yeah. Really? The, they thought there were one... seven radio singles on an 11-song <laughs> album? <laughs> Here's the weird thing. So one of the singles from the first album is a demo of a song that ended up on the second album. Oh, that is weird. Yeah. I had never seen that before. 
Huh. So, sadly, the lead singer, Paul Plagans, he passed away uh, in 2015. And um, you mentioned that they opened for Candlebox on a tour. I could find literally nothing. Other than the Wikipedia page, I couldn't find anything. So I don't even know how you found that. Uh, So I found that by reading Amazon.com reviews. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So somebody said that they got the CD because they saw them open for Candlebox? Yeah, and they said that they blew Candlebox away and they should have headlined or whatever. That's crazy. Yeah, because unfortunately now, when you do a Google search for Greta, everything comes up Greta Van Fleet. So it's impossible to yes. find anything yeah. on this band. All, all the search results, you have to go to the 10 or 12 million uh, page to find any reviews <laughs> for for this. Um, so I, I'm happy we'll be the first to uh, you know provide that. Another keyword we, we can own. Mm-hmm. The all-important Greta... Greta, this is Greta. You search for that, we're going to be the top result. We got it. So we did get some comments over at Patreon, where all of our folks in our Patreon union vote on polls and and comment on episodes for us to share. Uh, Scott Russell Hallgram said, oh, I had no idea they made a second album. (laughs) I really liked No Biting. And had considered using a pick on it. Happy to give this a whirl. All right. Well, that worked out well. Uh, Steve Musinski said, So this band is completely new to me. Didn't know a damn thing about them prior to this. My immediate first impression was to compare the trajectory to that of Sugartooth. Best I can tell, both bands were from L.A. And both bands put out two records. Each on major labels. Both debuts are fairly on the nose as sounding like stereotypical 90s grunge records. And then both sophomore releases showcase a more cleaned up radio friendly sound i've listened to this is greta about four times through and i think i hear a worthy record here there's a couple songs that could be trimmed for sure but overall i found it largely enjoyable and then scott witt said these cats had so much hype behind them and they failed so badly it's amazing i was working in the record store when their debut came out we got pallets of cds posters and vhs to play in store (laughs) They were really pushing that one guy wore a dress and how edgy it was. My guess, the only reason this album got made was because the label spent so much on the first one. This sounds like a bunch of demos. Singer has no oomph in his voice at all. The lyrics are times beyond silly. Who sings about mayonnaise? And I will respond to that by saying the Smashing Pumpkins have a song called Mayonnaise. So, Scott, there you go. Yeah, let's get into this record. Jay. Yes. You heard the first one. Now you get to talk about the second one. Tell me one thing you liked about This is Greta! Exclamation point by Greta. I really like the singer. I didn't really find him notable on the first record. You know, overall, I think the the first record is just rougher. It's more stereotypical than the 90s. Not that this doesn't have some similarities there. You know, I think he's got a unique voice. At times, he reminds me of Bob Pollard. Like when he slings in his lower register, he can pull off Beatles type, you know, melodies. And over a lot of the, you know, the thicker guitar tones, even when they get a little bit almost metalish, um, he's just his tone overall really separates well, and he's able to kind of bring a pop, almost power pop sensibility 
uh, to to nearly everything they do, regardless of whatever the band is doing. So if the band gets heavy, he's still bringing that that feel. If the band is kind of mellow and they're doing like a ballad, he's still bringing that feel. So to me, he's kind of like the glue that holds the whole record together. You know, I find you know mel- melodically it's strong. I think range wise it's good. You know, lyrically, yeah, it's a little. It, it's it's either you know fine. I'm not I'm not more the uh, type of person if the lyrics are really bad, I'll notice them and call them out. And then most of the time on this record, it was. I uh, wasn't noticing them one way or the other. I'm more focused on the vocal itself. Um, the second big thing, I think, is just the production. I mean, to me, this just sounds like where if you want to go into the studio and make a big sounding, you know, room live vibe rock record, this is what it probably will should sound like. Big Marshall, you know, amp, Les Paul guitars, the drums sound big, the bass tone is fantastic. So sonically, I, I, I really uh, like this record quite a bit from that that respect and uh, uh, yeah I think the to me the vocal is really the thing that differentiates the band turbo powered sex drive designer balding jeans junkie bond addiction made a king spree lipo Satan savior I find it really interesting when people talk about the first album being like grungy. This album is not grungy to me. I mean, there's some like rockin' stuff that has some edge to it, but it's not grungy at all. And when I see that Ramones history, like I can see why they would turn to him for production on this record. Because when I heard this record, you know, the first couple times, I was like, wow, there's a real power pop or pop sensibility it doesn't have to be power pop necessarily because it's not like layered you know harmony vocals and stuff like that but there's a real pop sensibility going on here um that recalls the beatles to the ramones to cheap trick to other aspects but filtered through that 90s you know vibe and the way that like matthew sweet was doing power pop but also keeping it a little dirty and that's the one thing that I, I liked about this record, or one of the things I liked about this record was the attention to some classical sounds. That, like you mentioned, the Beatles, Jay, you know, nothing at all, and Silver Blue and Charade. There's these elements of very sixty-ish pop melodies going on that are really cool and filtered through this '90s sound that. I really like, and just the overall production that, like you mentioned, it's it sounds good. I mean, you put on a pair of headphones, you listen to it in the car driving. It's it sounds like a big record.
I am shocked that I never even like heard a, a peep about this. You know, this is '95. I would have been working at, and you would too at the. Or no, maybe you weren't yet. Were you at the? Were you at FAL in '95, or was that next year? Mm, following year. Yeah. So you know, I'm two, three years into FAL at this point. College radio. I'm. I don't remember this at all. I don't know if we played this. I'm. I'm shocked. And it's on Mercury. I mean, Mercury was getting stuff played. So, it well, just got lost in the shuffle, I guess. I would imagine if they pushed the first record hard and it didn't go anywhere, that this may have just been, like, silently put out. Thrown, <laughs> thrown out there? Yeah, just to move on. I, I, I kind of always thought that it was just to fulfill the record contract, and, and they parted ways after that. That's a real yeah. shame. Um, so... You mentioned you didn't you didn't pick this record up when it when it came out, John. So when you picked it up, what were your impressions of it? Uh, what stuck with you as far as songs and and what hit you right away? So I was initially surprised at how catchy some of the songs are, and uh, how they they would get stuck in my head the uh, the choruses, um, and then also I noticed like the musicianship. I, I had known from the first album that they're pretty good musicians. Um, like they did some kind of crazy things on the on the first album where like they go from metal and then they do some like kind of like jazz stuff. But on this album, it's very song focused where you can still tell that they're great musicians, but they're not like doing flashy things. Like this is one album where I notice what the bass is doing because it's it's so interesting and melodic at times. Yeah, like um, some people is an example where there's some really interesting, or you can really hear what the bass is doing. Oh yeah, it, especially in the beginning. Like yeah, right from the start of the song. Yep. I uh, I have a note on the bass in I think nine of the eleven songs. Yeah, <laughs> just do a quick little search, like either because the tone is so awesome, or a little melodic run, or a little bit where you hear it, 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 it like pops out. You know, it's not like overbearing, but there's moments on the record where it's it just kind of like slips in, and you're like, oh, there's the bass player, and then it kind of slips back out again. Um, whether it be playing off the vocal melody or playing off the guitar riff, or you know, uh, really. Yeah, I was really impressed with the bass playing and, and the tone overall, which drives that big full feel of the record, I think, too. What were the things, Jay, that did not work for you? Well, they go into Anomaly is a, is probably the best example. Um, there's also a bit in, I think, About You that goes into um, kind of like a more of a metal-y kind of riff. Yeah. Territory. It's Especially and, in the first song, it's weird. Like, it yeah, comes out it of is. nowhere. <laughs> That's one of my notes. I think it, from my first listen, I always thought that that bridge and about you just sounded out of place. And the funny thing is, if you watch the music video, this this is the only song that has a music video from the album. Like it's just you know them playing, and then it goes to the bridge part, and then it's like lightning, and he's making angry faces, and it's just kind of like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. That stood out, and that reminded me of the first record more. I was like, okay, yeah, I kind of remember this band. Now. Yes, and yes. Anomaly is, you know, doubles down on that. I mean, the whole verse riff is, you know, kind of a muted 
palm muted kind of thing or whatever. Um, so that's got that feel. And then there's like a song like rocking chair, which I'm on the fence on, but the band that it reminded me most of musically is Queensryche. <laughs> like <laughs> it's got this, you know, grinding bass tone and the guitars have a very kind of like Queensryche kind of riff to them. There's a double kick part. The drums are yeah. busier. Like uh, the drums are just, you know, they sound like progressive metal drums, like the cymbal stuff and there's extra Tom stuff in it. So musically it, it's, uh, <laughs> it stands out. It's different. Um, I'm sure that's not what moon necessarily what they were going for. Now, again, it kind of works and it's because the vocal is still there. It's still the same singer. And, but, uh, that's another, you know, point where, where it goes, starts to go off the rails a bit. I, the only other criticism I would say would just be the, I mean, they really stick to the quiet, loud dynamic. You know, every verse is, for the most part, I think with the exception of maybe warm disease is, uh, is you know, they, they pull back the guitars and you just hear the bass and drums. I know the guitars will be doing like, you know, single chord hits or some kind of palm muted thing. Um, so they, they really stick to that kind of, stereotypical 90s kind of rock song format um, which is okay as long as you don't notice it and then when you start noticing you're like oh this is the part where the we drop down and this is the part where it builds back up again yeah I did um, struggle with that I'd struggle with how like familiar the format was mm-hmm. it just I just wasn't engaged as much because I was like alright well I, I kind of know how these songs are going to go after one or two listens like nothing's really jumping out as being terribly original just in terms of arrangements it didn't uh you know and and if you're trying to write a more you know pop oriented record i guess that makes sense but i just wish there had been a little bit more thought put into that sort of stuff because it just kind of it just it didn't elevate it it just didn't elevate the music to something being well, that, special. That's that's why the song Warm Disease really stands out to me. Um, because they don't follow that format. It's mm-hmm. like a double time verse and there's these big swings and changes. And it goes from sounding like God Have My Voices to the Beatles to almost Queen by the time you get to the the kind of the, the layers of the chorus. Um, so... That to me is the band at their best on this record, and you know it kind of has everything, um, and it avoids some, like it's still very melodic and still very pop oriented, but it avoids a lot of the stereotypical trappings that some of the other songs fall into. Is there any? So that was um, 
Sorry. No, I was going to say I was going to take it to you and or send it to you and see what you said. Um, so the the songwriting structures did get on my nerves after a while. So like I tried to be really objective about this and not just like bring a record to you guys that I love and be like, oh, it's the greatest thing ever. Um, because I, I really like this record, but I do realize it's not the greatest thing ever. Um, and in listening to this over and over again, like I realized that the songs in the beginning of of the the album are just so repetitive after a while. It's like, oh, here comes the chorus again. Like it, it's like some of them they, with the chorus, it's just like the same phrase over and over again, you know? So it got it got a little boring. Um, yeah. that, that way. Yeah. I felt like this would have been a good band to have a second vocal that could do counter melodies. So if you're going to repeat the chorus, you know, obviously the first time you're going to do it one way and then maybe the second time you're going to do it add a second vocal, either as a harmony or do a counter counter, you know, melody or something, just bring a little something different. Cause it all, there's, I'm sure it wasn't done this way then, but you can hear on songs now where they literally are just, cutting and pasting the chorus over and over again and it's just mm. it's the same vocal same and it's just you know because it's easy then performing it three times you just double it and triple it and then you got it you got your chorus done and um yeah there was just the amount of times that they go to the choruses you probably could have either done something different or trimmed them back and had you know Maybe you don't need five or four minute long songs. Maybe two and a half, three minute long songs would have been better to get the point across because they just it they felt a little long, even though they weren't that terribly long because there wasn't a whole lot of stuff going on. So, yeah, the, well, some of the songs that like towards the uh, the end of the album, like everything's fine. That really doesn't follow that like annoying repetitive core um, the the chorus like all the time, and they have that that outro which is pretty different. Um, and then I would say like nothing at all. The the song structure for that is, is a bit more complicated than the stuff at the beginning of the album.
Yeah, definitely. I agree. I, I think, yeah, the second half of the record is seems more they're pushing the boundaries and trying different things. And it still fits with the first half, but I would agree that the first half of the record, for whatever reason, like is more stereotypical. Tim, a band I have in my notes here once or twice that I was wondering if you heard was um, Luster. Yeah. On a song like Stained, I had that uh, that note. Sort of that big chunky guitar sound, and that just vocally, um, it seemed to be in a similar place. <laughs> really driving the um, the the people to the to the obscure records, <laughs> Luster and Greta. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I I wanted to just go back to the last track, nothing at all. I really liked that one just because they there was space in that song, and it just you got a sense that like, oh, this band could be doing a lot more with this if if they had just. Made, you know, I would be curious to hear if they would have gone after, would have gone on to after this if they had maybe explored that aspect of the band more, because it was pretty cool to hear something that was radically different than most of the record. Because I did not yeah, care for I, uh, rock. Sorry, sorry what, the the song that you said sound like Queenswake, Jay. Rocking chair. <laughs> Rocking chair. I did not care for that at all. Rocking chair is the one that the demo was released from the first album. So they had that song since the first album. Okay, there you go. So, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Interesting. That's why it stood out. Yeah. Yeah. So it was on the first record or was just a demo recorded for the first record? It was a demo recorded for the first record. It didn't end up on the first record. Okay. But they released it as a CD single in 93, which is just really weird to me. Huh. Hmm. That is odd. Yeah. So this comes out in 95. I'm having a hard time here. I mean, I guess About You, which was you mentioned it was the single and had the video, it mm-hmm. could be a radio single at that time. I don't know if it's got a big enough hook. And also, like, when I think about 95, I'm thinking, like, oh, my God. I mean, you're either, you know, you've got, like, Bush and Green Day. I mean, no doubt. These are bands that have massive, massive records with big hooks. Big, catchy hooks. And this is, that's a little bit more of a subdued chorus compared to like you know basket case or um machine head that kind of stuff you know what i mean like i I don't know that this even though this is apparently a better record than the first i'll let you guys decide that since i haven't heard it um i don't know that i mean i don't know that this could have broken through I, i didn't hear it at college radio so maybe they didn't even bother but yeah, I don't. I don't really hear where this was gonna break through anywhere. Um, this seems like I don't know. I'm thinking of bands like Tonic. I know they were a little later, but I think there's a couple songs on here that just with sheer play, like airplay and rotation. You know, I could have seen getting more traction. 
you know, I think there was a lot of stuff on the radio that was got fairly big. Um, that wasn't any better than this or hookier than this. It just got whatever, for whatever reason it stuck and then just play the shit out of it until you like <laughs> forced it to be a hit. So, you know, yeah. Is it as hooky as green day? No, but I think it's at on par or better than a lot of other stuff that was, uh, on the radio from 95 through let's say 98. Oh no. I, I mean, I think this is like, for example, this is better than seven Mary three, but that stupid cumbersome song has a big <laughs> hook. You know what I mean? Like it's got a weird song song title with so it it's it's something that gets in your brain and like about you is such like a passive sort of non-memorable phrase for a cor- for a for a song title. Mm. That's what I I think that's what I mean more than anything. Uh, okay, you yeah. know what I mean? Like there's just yep. there's not that earworm hook that or or something that you know, I'm just trying to remember the one hit wonderish kind of mm-hmm. bands of that era even too. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about it before like uh, we start to get in an era where like all the radio hits had like some lyric that was I don't know. Yeah, like the Toadies no. like the Toadies with Possum Kingdom. Yeah. And that song. I mean, that's we we talked about it. that's a weird song to be on the radio, but it has a weird kind of hook to it. So it makes sense in a weird in a in its in the '90s sort of way. Let's talk about our overall ratings on this record. I've got the poll up at Patreon. It just finished the voting just finished right before we recorded this episode, so we wait till the very last minute, and we're gonna find out in just a moment. How that poll turned out, but Jay, tell me, are the computers working on it? The it's computer, tabulating. There's tabulating. The, <laughs> the 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 paper is like spitting out. You can hear it running in the background. I need I need that sound effect of like a of a 1950s IBM processing <laughs> processor, like the one that they used to launch the Apollo. Uh, where the album better EP decent single, Jay? Where do you land? I'm gonna wear the album. Uh, I liked I liked this quite a bit. I, I heard a lot of bands in this that I like. You know, I mentioned a couple of them. I even hear like the Raspberries in here. Like I think Silver Blue could be. It sounds like a pumped mm, up. Yeah. Um, I hear a little Foo Fighters in here. Um, so Beatles, Queen, Got It by Voices, Queensrÿche, <laughs> Last Year, <laughs> uh, Queen and Queensrÿche. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's it's not my – well, I think there's a couple things on here that are, you know, Warm Disease, I think, for example, is to me a, the best song to check out. Um, but, you know, for the most part, this it's a, it's a alternative rock album, right? I mean, kind of straight down the middle in a lot of ways. Uh, but I think it's done well. It's produced really well. Uh, and I think it's got a strong singer, you know, in a in – a, good sense of melody and songwriting so uh with that i'm gonna say an album there's only really anomaly rocking chair um i had everything's fine maybe dropping that really only one or two missteps on here you're still at like a you know 10 9 10 song album so yeah we're the album um i'm gonna be about a 
a six song EP, I think. I I liked quite a bit of the record, but a lot of it laid flat with me, so uh, I can't quite go with a a full record. But I think there's a a, a really good EP here of stuff. So, John, where where do you fall on this? Were the album better EP or decent single? So even after like going back and listening to it a whole bunch and really trying to pick it apart and finding that there are flaws to it, I, I'm still at a at a worthy album. Um, I do think it sounds like dated to the '90s. In fact, like I was certain I heard the song about you in some random Kevin Smith movie or something, um, <laughs> but it didn't turn up on any of the soundtracks. Um, and then hearing, you know, like other bands in their songwriting, like I, I totally hear the Beatles. I'm reminded of Cheap Trick. And then like sometimes I, I think like nothing at all could be like a Morrissey song. So, worthy album. Now, the voting at Patreon went 40% worthy album, 40% better EP, and 20% decent single. So, split on whether it was an album or an EP. Interesting. Thanks to everyone who voted. Thanks to everyone who commented. John, thank you for bringing this to our attention. Uh, Yes. We would not have checked out Greta unless you had done so. So, thank you. And thanks to everyone over at Patreon for contributing. If you would like to become a contributor over at Patreon, a patron of our Patreon, join the union. You can do so by going to dmounion.com or digmeout. What is it? Digmeoutunion.com? Is that right, Jay? Stop. <laughs> uh, how many URLs do we have now? 50? 55? Just those two. Okay. And of course, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback at iTunes. Jay, I royally screwed up. I should have said this. I'm going to insert this at the beginning of the show. We have two new patrons, Jay. Woo! Yes. What do we got? We got new patrons. Uh, and, uh, welcome to the DMO Union and your first order of business is to have your name mispronounced by Tim. Yes. Go for it. Well, hold on, hold on. This one's, I can do this. <laughs> Martin Newman. Welcome. Martin Newman. The other one, dear God, I am, this is, this is going to be a, this is going to be like Miles Garrett swinging a helmet. <laughs> it's going to be a, a, a murder going on here. Alrien Moreau. I don't, I'm sorry. I think that, that's, that's probably pretty close. See, that's there's clearly French going on there, and I took no French. No French. I took Spanish I took French, and Italian. I think you're close. Okay. I took one year of French. I should have checked with my wife because she did take French, and she probably could have pronounced this correctly for me. And Okay, well, there you I've go. Heard you do, I've heard you do way worse. Oh, I've done more worse. I've done terrible things, Jay. Terrible, terrible things. Welcome to the community. Welcome to the union. Glad to have you. Leave some comments, vote into polls, all that fun stuff, and your stickers will be coming soon. So, for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Dig me out. Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash dig me out 
and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com. <laughs>